Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's Gospel, we have a glimpse of the Holy Trinity on display. In fact, one could say, in the Gospel, Jesus reveals his deepest identity with the Holy Trinity. Notice what he says here. I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the little ones. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. Well, here we have the Son of God addressing the Father. Now, this is incredibly unique. We are given an inner window, a glimpse, of a conversation between two persons of the Holy Trinity, the Son as well as the Father. Now, the first question we have to ask are, what are those things that are concealed from the learned but revealed to the little ones? Well, nothing but the mystery of Jesus Christ in his relationship to the Father. And this relationship is what God wanted to give us from the very beginning of creation. Go back to Genesis. It says that Adam and Eve walked in easy fellowship with God in the cool evening of the garden. This is a relationship, one in which God wants to share his life with us. And see, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about as he addresses the Father in the gospel for this weekend. And so it begs another question. Why is this knowledge concealed to the learned and yet revealed to these little ones? Well, I think we have to find out who these people are. The wise and the learned are the religious establishment of Jesus' time. These people are very prideful in knowing the Torah, and they know it like the back of their hand. And yet they lord it over those people that don't know the law very well. They use the law as a weapon for their own boasting. These are people that glorify in their own knowledge and put other people down. Well, who are the little ones? Well, they are people like you and I, children of God, childlike, utterly dependent upon God for everything. Now, mind you, not childish. Childish is immature, but childlike, which means we're always humbly opening our minds to receive all that God wants to give us his wisdom, and his love. That's why we emphasize lifelong faith formation. We must always engage faith formation, whether we're 8 years old or 80 years old. Always seek to learn new aspects of our faith because our faith will then grow. St. Augustine puts it best. He says it's faith-seeking understanding. The more we come to seek and grow in the knowledge of our faith, the more our faith and love for God grows. You know, we have many titles for Mary, the mother of God. One of her titles is the patroness of theology. Theology means the study of God, faith formation. St. Thomas Aquinas refers to Mary as the sedes supines, which is Latin for the seed of wisdom. Go to the Gospel of Luke 
It says, Mary saw all these things and she treasured them in her heart. Well, Mary took in all the events of salvation history. Jesus' conception, his birth, his life, his death, his passion, his resurrection. She took them all in and reflected upon them in her heart. And she went over them and over them and over them. And in doing so, her faith and her love for God grew. Well, that's essentially what faith formation is. And that's what Jesus is getting at as he says, These things were revealed to the little ones. St. John Chrysostom once said, One of the longest spiritual journeys that we can take is from the head to the heart. In the head, yes, we can intellectualize our faith. We can memorize doctrine and dogma and understand it. But the true acceptance is when it gets to our heart. Spiritually speaking, when it's in our heart, then we accept it. We love it and we put it into practice. Again, that's that faith-seeking understanding. Now, an important aspect of all this is that we have to rely upon and depend upon others for help. Remember Acts of the Apostles, that story with Philip and the Ethiopian. Philip sees this Ethiopian reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, but he doesn't understand it. He's confused. So Philip immediately seizes the opportunity, and he begins to interpret the book of the prophet of Isaiah to the Ethiopian. And after taking all that formation in, at the end of the story, the Ethiopian is baptized by Philip. Well, Philip represents the church, and part of the church's role is helping us grow in our faith formation. First, we rely upon the local church at the local level. Essentially, it's our catechists and our teachers, our deacons and our priests and our bishops. Then it's the universal level. It's the cardinals and the pope and the magisterium, all working to form our intellect. And yet, equally as important is the spiritual life. That is prayer and the sacraments. That's how we come to know how God reveals himself to us. Remember the story in which Jesus, he asked the apostles, Who do the people say that I am? And then he asked the apostles directly to them, But who do you say that I am? Immediately, Simon Peter says, You are the Son of God. Remember Jesus' response? Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. Well, he received that knowledge from prayer. A great example of this is St. Therese of Lesseur. She described her spiritual life as the little way. She always said the central organizing part of her spiritual life was to do small things with great love. Well, when she prayed, she felt that she was being led by God, like a child. Now, not in a negative way, but when she prayed, she opened herself up to see God's presence, and then she was led by God. Well, Mother Teresa is another example how she became one of these little ones that Jesus refers to in the gospel for today. Mother Teresa, she always told her nuns, God doesn't want us to be successful. He wants us to have faith. She believed in that. And like a child, she was led by God when she prayed to the extent that God revealed himself in the presence of all the poor in this world. And therefore, she was compelled to devote her life to ministering to those people. 
See, this is why we must be like these little ones that Jesus refers to in the gospel. Because Jesus is offering us a view of the Holy Trinity from the inside. And that's why this is so important for us to respond to this compelling invitation. Now, notice what Jesus says next. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Well, after being invited to this incredible glimpse to the inner life of God and conforming ourselves to receive this glimpse, Jesus is now telling us he wants us to have this glimpse always, not from time to time, but always in our life. Now, notice what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who labor. Labor. He's not talking about the jobs that we do day in and day out. Instead, what he refers to are those people that find life difficult and burdensome. Well, that's all of us. Now more than ever, as we are living in this pandemic, you know, we fear the virus and what it can do to our bodies. We fear the loss of employment. Maybe we've been furloughed or our hours have been cut back. We practice social isolation. All these things are very burdensome to us. And yet, what is Jesus saying? He's inviting us to the interior life of God so as to lessen that burden. He continues, he says, Come to me, you who shall find rest. He doesn't mean relaxation, or he's not telling us it's okay to take a nap in the afternoon. No, what he means by rest is fulfillment, purpose in life. You know, at funerals, we always pray, that he or she will rest in peace, the deceased. Now, that doesn't mean that the deceased is up in heaven, lying in a hammock between two trees, swinging back and forth for all of eternity. No, nothing like that at all. We mean that when that person gets to heaven, they will find true peace and true joy. Now, what's one of the greatest deceptions in this world? That joy can only come from filling up our ego with all the temporal goods of this world. Fame, fortune, power, honor, notoriety, materialism, money. Instead, we know, we truly know, real joy comes from turning our life over to God and emptying our ego. Jesus continues, he says, Take my yoke upon you. Well, animals were yoked together, and that was, I'm sure, a common sight during Jesus' lifetime for tilling or plowing or even pulling a cart. Yet notice what he says, take my yoke. The implication here, Jesus wants us to share our lives with him to the extent that together we are walking the spiritual life shoulder to shoulder with Jesus each and every day of our lives. More to it, We all bear burdens in life. We all have challenges in our life. No one is immune from that. Well, Jesus wants to bear those burdens with us. Picture it. You and Jesus, shoulder to shoulder, pulling together through the struggles of your life. And in doing so, Jesus lessens that burden. And he gives us the reassurance that we will persevere through any challenge. Now, I don't know about you, 
But I find that image very comforting. Friends, in the gospel for this weekend, Jesus gives us the great paradox. We can find peace and we can find rest and fulfillment only and only when we maintain our identity as the little ones of God. And only and only when we maintain that position, yoked side by side with Jesus Christ for the rest of our life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.